little announcement. Fantastic. Frank, where are you? He's up the back there waving his hand. So we are starting a new uh, series today about uh, pursuing the presence of God. And Crystal's going to help me with this series. So let's invite Crystal to come up. She just shares some thoughts and backgrounds. Um, my, my sister here has a real anointing in the area. And it's good to hear someone speaking out of anointing. Good morning. How are we today? Good? Awesome. All right, I'm just going to pray before we start because even though I'm up here every week, this is a little bit more nerve-wracking than worshipping. So let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. Lord God, I just pray that as I speak this morning that the words would not be mine but they'd be yours, Lord Jesus, that we'd have breakthrough today and that my jumbled thoughts would be able to get through to everyone out there. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I've just asked Steve to play because typical worship leader, I'd like to set the platform for what I'm talking about. And I think this is a nice gateway into, you know, what I want to talk about. So just um, thanks, Steve, for doing that for me. I just want to open with um, a scripture. Um, Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2, and 8 and 9. I've got it in the uh, message version just because it's a little bit more descriptive. Um, says i bless god every chance i get my lungs expand with his praise i live and i breathe god if things aren't going well hear this and be happy open your mouth and taste open your eyes and see how good god is blessed are you who run to him worship god if you want the best worship opens the doors to all of his goodness um, I'll just start a little bit with my story. Um, I've always loved singing, always, always, always loved singing. Dad and Mum were telling me just the other day how when I was two or three, I'd run around my mat at my house singing worship songs before I'd go to bed, almost word for word. I gave it my best shot. Um, and my grandparents would say, oh, she'll never go to sleep. She will never go to sleep. She's all wound up now. And I'd finish my song, finish the tape that was on and go, good night go off to bed and that, that was me for the end of the night and I'd lay in bed and sing worship songs to sing myself to sleep as well so that's any indication of how long I've been singing for um, and I would sing into anything that slightly resembled a microphone skipping ropes um, forks and knives any, anything really that resembled a microphone so I've always loved singing and when my parents were praying for me and waiting for me to, to come they prayed that I would be somebody who would sing for God and would be a worship leader. So there you go. Parents or parents-to-be, pray into your children and you might just see a breakthrough. Um, yeah, I um, I was always singing something in my head or something out loud. It didn't matter where I was or what I was doing. I used to sing uh, praise songs in the uh, in the shopping centre with mum pushing me around and she'd get a little bit embarrassed because I was say, singing, devil, get out of my way in the middle of the shopping centre. <laughs> She'd be rushing through with the with the trolley, um, but yeah, when I was when I was fourteen is when I really started to wanting to be wanting to get into worship at church. Um, I was always singing at school, always in the choir, doing something solos, all that sort of thing. But I um as soon as I decided that I wanted to get into worship leading or singing on stage, things all changed. It was very different. I started getting bad feedback from people about my singing. I started getting told, you can't sing on key, you don't know how to do solos, you sing too loud, you don't need a microphone, everyone can hear you anyway, you drown everyone else out. It just sort of, everything started, 
I started having warfare coming against me. And it's interesting how that, that started to happen at that point. Um, and I'm not telling you this, by the way, for you to feel sorry for me. Um, this, this is just a little bit of a note that if you're facing hardship, hold on because God's coming through for you. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose and you just keep walking in his steps and he will bring you through. Um, yeah, I started feeling that pushing back from people and um, I persevered and continued to sing at school until I left. Um, there was still, you know, some hardships. And I was at a Christian school, so it was fairly easy to sort of, you know, sing and do that sort of thing and um, do worship and stuff. But there were still those hardships because someone was putting things in my way. Um, but when I was 19, I finally made the cut to get on the worship team. Yay! <laughs> and um, I started out as a backup singer, of course, and, you know, rose up and became a worship leader and stuff. But throughout the years, I had... Um, prophecies uh, telling me that I'd sing and lead worship and I just I couldn't believe it I was just like nah you don't know what you're talking about it's very nice of you thank you for the compliment but you know that's not where I'm going to be I'm too nervous I'm too you know that's not who I am um, but yeah where I, where I was standing from it looked impossible but little did I know this is where I'd be today but the best part about going through all of that is now I can look back and see where I was being pursued by God I can see where I was being sought after and he was seeking after me and where he was setting me up to win. That's the best part about it all, that I was set up to win from the point that I started and I thought, I'm not letting this go. So guys, just keep pressing through and keep making sure that you don't let anything overcome you that's put in your way because God is setting you up to win from the beginning. In, in the time that I went through all that, I fell in love with God and I fell in love with His presence. And I'm 10 times stronger today because of that. If I hadn't gone through all of that, I don't think I would be on this stage today. Um, as Pastor Mike mentioned before, um, we're doing a bit of a series called Pursuing Your Presence. So I'm going to have a bit of a talk to you today about um, what worship is and um, why, why we do it. As I was preparing for the message, I sort of thought, oh gosh, God, I've got so many thoughts and ideas about worship, but I don't know if I can actually get them all into a, into a sermon properly. So I said, God, you've really got to help me out on this one. And he said, sit down. Okay. Let me see how this is helping, but okay. And he said, no, no, what I want you to do is sit down in your spirit. Um, I felt him saying that, with our culture like it is today, that we're so used to being busy and we've got somewhere to go or some place to be and we just forget to be. We just don't give God that space. Um, in John 10 verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. And then it goes on to say, And they will not follow the voice of another. When, you're, when your mum or your, your partner or Whoever calls you on the phone and says, hi, how are you going? You don't go, oh, I'm sorry, who's this? I, I'm not sure who I'm speaking to because you know their voice. You've taken that time to invest into their life and to spend time with them and you know exactly who it is when they say hello. They don't have to go, they have to ring Pete and go, hi, it's Crystal, because he knows who it is. And so it's the same with God. We, we forget to, we need to hear a voice more than once to be able to know who it is. 
And it's so easy for us to forget what God's voice sounds like. We just get far too busy. And we need to have that shift in worship by ourselves and also in this place. And it needs to be from going through the motions of coming on a Sunday. Okay, hands go up at this point. Two fast songs, three slow songs, and now it's time for announcements. We have to stop going through that motion and be able to hear God's voice and knowing his voice with a constant connection to him. Um, like I said, we go through life and, and you know things happen and we have work and we have you know, dinners and we have all that sort of stuff. And then we come to church on Sunday and we go, okay, pastor, okay, worship team, I'm ready for you to refuel me. Let's go. Can you imagine what it would be like if we turned up here on a Sunday and we were already fueled? We were already connected with God. We were already ready to go. Can you imagine the things that we would see, the places that this church would go, the things that God would say to us? Can you imagine? I'm sorry, am I, it's on. Can you imagine what we would see if we kept that connection through the whole week? God would just open up the floodgates and just be able to totally, totally remake everything that we know. And um, we need to we, we need to remember that we don't need a song to get connected to God. We don't need anyone to spur us along. We need to fight all week long to keep that connection with God because it's the most important thing in our lives. And the thing about that is, is that we have a well inside of us that's our responsibility to fill. And full doesn't mean to the brim, guys. It means overflowing where there's a constant pouring in and a constant pouring out, okay? And we need to do whatever is necessary to keep that full, And the key to keeping that full, keeping that well full, is worship. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what um, worship is and the ways to keep your well full. Because it's taken me a long time to work it out, a very long time. I don't look that old, but (laughs) it's taken me a long time. And um, the first one that we're going to talk about today is how worship is warfare and how worship is um, a sacrifice. So worship something that you do every day from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. It's a choice to be selfless and not selfish. Because when we worship God, to worship means um, to have reverence and adoration. But what I always think of instead of those two words, because we could have that for anything, for an iPad, for a phone, for anything. We could have reverence and adoration. Oh, I love my phone. I love my computer. I love this. I love that. But it's worth-ship, T-H, right? Worth-ship. What is God worth to you that you would stop what you're doing and give what he deserves back to him? Because the actual core of the word worship means to lay prostate. And it also means, in another way, I think, to kiss. Okay? So this is the most intimate thing that you could possibly do for God, and it's what he actually desires. The maker of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, wants a relationship with you. He wants to be able to have that connection with you. He wants to be able to feel you and talk to you. That's just mind-blowing to me, that someone who could just not care, could just think, 
and all those little plebs down there, I don't need them. He wants that relationship with you. And until you grab a hold of that, until you understand, hang on a minute, I am important to him. Then you just, you get here on a Sunday, well, this is what I used to do anyway. You get here and you haven't had any time with God all week, you've been too busy, and then you get here and go, oh, it's a bit cold, I'm not going to clap today, that'll hurt my hands. Really? Really? Like, come on, this is what we're designed to do, guys. Am I on? I'm sorry. This is what we're designed to do. Come on, guys. This is exactly what we are designed to do and what God longs to have from us. Um, It's a laying down of your affection and of your love. It's saying to God, I'm going to live for you and die for you. Nothing else matters. My, My job partner, nothing matters except for that I'm going to live for you and I'm going to pursue you. And someone very wise once said to me that God doesn't just plonk things in our lap for us. God will always be and he'll remain in that same place. You can can wander anywhere from where he is. You can go off here and do that. You can go here and do this. He'll still be exactly in the same spot when you get back to him. As soon as you need him, he's there. He is not a God that moves, okay? So what we need to do is we need to realize he's not going to do the work for us. He's come far enough, guys. Sending his son and dying for us on the cross, that is a long way to come. And if we have to move one little step this way or clap our hands a little bit more on a Sunday, I really don't think that that's a lot of work to do to get that connection with him. Um, And it's a real relationship. Relationships are give and take. I was saying to Pastor Mike the other night, if I um, if I was in a, you know, I'm in a relationship with Pete, he rang me all the time and came to visit me and I just gave him nothing. Just nothing. He's talking to me, giving me gifts, doing everything, you know, that people in a relationship do and I just didn't say a word to him. Would it last very long? No. <laughs> he'd say yes. He'd say he'd hang on. But it wouldn't, would it? Because it's not a relationship because relationships are give and take. So we need to talk to God and we need to hear from him at the same time. Knowing that voice is what's going to give us that connection. Um, and there's times that I get to a Tuesday. <laughs> I get to a Tuesday as a worship leader and I think, oh, Lord Jesus, I have to do another song list. Really? I don't know if I can do this anymore because I. it's just so... It's so hard. And until you're in this spot specifically, you don't know the kind of um, attack that you get. You get other ones, but the kind of attack that you get is just relentless. It just keeps going and going and something's going wrong and someone's in a distress and someone's this and someone's that. And it just takes you away from everything that you need to do. And um, all I want to do is stay home. (laughs) But I'm human just like you guys. And once you get into that worshipping spirit and you take on that that armour of a worshipper, you will be on the front line. I'll tell you that now. You will be on the front line. Those arrows will hit you first. But the reward that you get for the worship that you put out is worth a million arrows. (laughs) I would put up with as many of them as I needed to just for half an hour with God. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because what he does in you giving to him is, of course, he gives back. It's that constant pouring in and constant pouring out where you will be able to bless others with what you do at the same time as being blessed. 
And um, when we had Glenda come to us, it was a long time ago now, ages ago, um, I was really struggling with being a worship leader. And I was thinking, God, I just really can't do this anymore. There's too many people, too many problems. I've got enough of my own. Thank you very much. And I'm just not going to get up on Sunday anymore. I've had enough. And um, she came and she took, I don't even remember what she talked about, to be honest with you. But I went up the front anyway. And she just, um, she didn't know that I led worship, didn't know me from a bar of soap. Walked along the line, went, you sacrifice every Sunday morning for God. And I went, oh. it just broke into tears because it was finally someone put on, <laughs> put it into words what I do on a Sunday. It's that sacrifice of praise. And I'm pretty sure, I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure it says somewhere in the Bible to give a sacrifice of praise. And... <laughs> We have, to, we have to do that, guys. It's really what it is. And it's not just on a Sunday either, don't get me wrong. You need to do it during the week as well. But especially when we come here and when two or three are gathered in my presence, there I am also, we need to sacrifice and say, you know what? I'm freezing. My, thro- my throat's sore. I didn't sleep much last night. I haven't had a good week. But God, I will praise you. I will lift my hands. I will, I will clap them. I will do whatever I possibly can to praise you and show you how much I love you. And it doesn't have anything to do with being able to sing. God made your voice box. He knows how you sing. He, do, he doesn't care. He just wants to hear from you and wants to have that connection with you. And so um, when the Bible talks about how God will fill your cup to overflowing, I believe that's the result that you get when you give a sacrifice of praise. When you... When you just lay everything down prostate on the floor and you just go, God, just work on me, mess me up, do whatever you like, that's what a real relationship's about. And that's when you'll see that awesome flowing out and you won't even realise how many people you're blessing. And so I just really want to encourage you to, to just give that sacrifice of praise every Sunday and every day and more than twice a day if you can. <laughs> Because it helps you to go through. It refuels you. And once we are able to do that, we'll be amazed at what God's going to do. Thanks, guys. Uh, great introduction. And I have hope for the church of the future when I see uh, young people like Jono and Crystal and Sam and others just stepping up. It's just a great thing. Um, are you born again or are you just a born again believer? It really distresses me as I look at the church of Jesus Christ today that um, we're doing better ever in terms of production standards. And yet, when the camera pans the crowd, Often all you see is people that are disengaged, bored, hands by their sides, not even seeing. They're just looking at all the big, the big God, the big screen. Uh, we have moved so far as a church of Jesus Christ where the entertainment factor is so high. I mean, you go see a, a great Christian uh, service these days, the production standards will be as good as anything you see in the world. And yet there does not seem to be the connection that is critical to our health as believers. You know, we sing, this is the air that I breathe. It's a great lyric, 
but essentially the Christian message is that you and I were created for God. And life will never make sense until we get into that zone. So I, I'm not going to go for long because, you know, time has gone. But one of the key things that we're going to look at is over the next few weeks is, you know, John chapter 4. Jesus says to the woman at the well, who's, she's concerned about where you should worship, how you should worship, you know, all the ins and outs. And Jesus just drills it down to saying, the time is coming and now is when the Father seeks true worshippers. And I'm going to ask you over the next four weeks, as we can, God's looking for worshippers. It's really key because he's not looking for worship. God doesn't have a bad sense of self-esteem. He doesn't need us to tell him he's okay, but he's looking for worshippers. So, yes, we want to clap our hands, raise our voices, do all those sorts of things, but at the end of the day, he's actually pursuing our hearts. He wants me he wants you and it's a miracle we don't understand this but it's time friend the lord is looking for true worshipers can i call you out of the crowd today and engage you can i do the call to worship this day can a trumpet sound a zion that now is the time and god is looking for true worshipers those who knows what it is to go beyond the convenience of a service, the songs that you like, the distractions around us, and a world that is just so distracting. You know, everybody's got, in our home, we just don't have one remote now. We've got 20 remotes, you know. It's crazy. Everybody's dialing to the world. And yet, you know, you go to some of our best services today and you can have some of the best ministers in the world and, Half the people aren't even present in the room. You know, they're on their iPads and texting and Facebooking. They're not even present. May God do something to us in the next few weeks where we have a heart of worship. You know, we sing the songs, but we actually, what it is to have a heart of worship. You know, are we born again believers or are we born again believers? And so we just want to push that forward because it is what we're created I do love the story, a little skit called by Mel Brooks and Carl Rayner called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. Great little skit. And uh, so he, he, one guy's pretending to be the 2,000 man. He's got this interview. He says, hello, how are you? He says, I'm good. It's fine. So you've lived for 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, you're looking good for your age. Thank you very much. And he says, well, you know, you lived for 2,000 years. Do you believe in the Lord? And he says, uh, well, not at the beginning. What do you mean? He says, well, at the beginning, we believed in a guy called Phil. Oh, okay. Uh, so why did you pray to Phil? Well, Phil was a really big, mean dude, and he could beat you up with two hands, split you in half. So did you used to pray to Phil? He says, yeah, we used to pray to Phil. He says, what sort of prayers you used to pray? We would say things like, oh, Phil. Please don't beat us up with your two big hands and be mean and nasty to us. And so, but now you believe in the Lord. She says, yes, yes, we do. Now, now we believe in the Lord. She says, well, why? What, what happened? She says, well, one day a lightning bolt came and hit Phil and struck him down dead. So we went up, we looked at Phil and we said, there must be something bigger than Phil. Friends, there's something bigger than you and I. 
There's something bigger than Armadale. There's something bigger than my bank account. There's something bigger than my illness. There's something bigger than my relationship. There's something bigger than every concern. Every small God you can name, there's something bigger, and his name is Jesus Christ, Lord Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the soon-coming conquering King. He's mighty and glorious in battle. We know not what we worship. Better than about, it's time for us to go home. <laughs> I better not get to preaching. Oh, dear. Let me just leave some things. Church people become quite focused about praise and worship. We had the worship wars these days. Mark Montaigne, Mark Montaigne, founder of the Calcutta Mission of Mercy, believed that the church in the West praises praise and worships worship. But it's my fear that we praise a God in whom we no longer pray to. Mm. Some Christians feel that God is particularly drawn by old hymns, style, whatever. God loves sore choruses, whatever. Modern Christians would be unsettled if they had to listen to the praise and worship of the tabernacle. Very different. It's time, guys. God is looking for true worshippers. Not looking for better servants. Not looking for better services. Not looking for better song, song teams. He's looking for our hearts to be so engaged with him. It's time he's looking for true worshippers. We will facet some other things over the next few weeks about there's false worship, there's the manipulated presence of God, there's psychological. Atmosphere is not the same as God. You know, there's the masqueraded presence and stuff. It's time God's looking for worshippers. A number of years ago, after one of our church services, someone came up to me and said, Oh, Pastor Mike. Uh, that worship service didn't do anything for me. And I was a bit cheeky. I said to him, oh, I'm so sorry there was a misunderstanding. We actually didn't do it for you. <laughs> bit naughty. <laughs> didn't come back, by the way. <laughs> worship is not meant to please me. It's meant to please God. It's not meant to make make, make meet my criteria, my standards. It's worship is for God. I am not the center of worship. He is. Don't assume that coming to church is the same thing as coming to God. You could have come to church today and not engaged God at all. Oh, God help us if that's the case. Do not make the mistake of thinking that singing a song in church is the same as worshiping God. It's different. Don't make the mistake of thinking that the volume of praise is a measure of God's presence in the house. It's not. Don't confuse goosebumps with God. A great atmosphere is not the same as a manifested presence of God. Some of the worst times I've ever been in my life in terms of my own emotional place have been the best times. Because the, the manifested presence of God, that time when there's unity in the house and the cloud descends and the ministers can't, can't minister, cannot stand to minister. They don't. That, that's not connected with what's happening in my life. It's connected with what God's doing. I'm. I. Um, I've had to learn. This. This might sound strange to you, but it used to me. I, you have a strange pastor. I've had to learn how to hug people. Okay. Coming coming from my very fractured, broken background. I found putting yourself in 
a hug dangerous emotionally. If you ever want to be stabbed in the back, put yourself in a hug. Because that's when they can get you, can't they? I've had to learn how to hug people. I like hugging Isaac because they don't hug a lot in Pakistani culture. But he's getting, he's getting to hug me now. You know, he's, he's, he's getting over these strange Australians. <laughs> I've been working with this uh, street guy, Adam, for a long time. He's got this very significant backstory. And Adam is just weirded out that I want to hug him. He thinks I'm after something else. But I said, no, I don't fancy you that way, but I love you. He's weirded out by that. He doesn't even know what's going on. But God wants to hug you. And every time we gather together and also in your private life, he wants to reach out and embrace you. And the two arms of God is the word of God in Jesus and the spirit of God. And the word and the spirit want to draw you together in a loving embrace. But some of us, instead of Embracing our God with arms wide open, heart exposed. He's wanting to embrace you and welcome you into the very life of God himself. I mean, what a privilege. We cannot consciously in our finite minds ever grasp that the God of the universe actually wants to open up his arms and with the word Jesus, the incarnate Emmanuel, God always with the, with the Holy Spirit, He wants to embrace us. And then He wants to lift us up into the very life of God Himself. Oh dear God, when we're there, life makes sense. There's nothing. You're invulnerable, invincible, up. Because you're with God. And all of this is about that. He's pursuing you and I. Yes, what is man that you're mindful of him, the psalmist says? We don't know. And yet we're so trapped by our little toys and our little gods and our little concerns that we often have the opportunity and all we do is say, I'm bored. Let's move on. It's not my part of the program. We do not know how to worship. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And I think as a church, I'm not not having a go at us, but the church capital C, I think we've forgotten how to wait on God. And yeah, I know that we've got to be conscious of time and all those sorts of things, but boy, the moment we wait upon God, see, even the young men are going to grow weary. Even the young men are going to grow faint. But when we wait upon the God, God lifts us up with incredible things. Uh, we'll, I'll just try and land the plane. It wasn't where we're going to quite go. But um, probably one of the greatest minds that have ever lived was Thomas Aquinas. In fact, between Aristotle, Aquinas, and maybe Kant, they're probably the three greatest minds that have ever lived on the face of the planet. Huge mind. Thomas Aquinas is probably the most, uh, uh, probably the best philosopher theologian that's ever lived. Because what he did has never been done before. 
He actually straddled over 1,800 years of human thinking and he tried to bring them all together in one glorious synthesis of everything that Plato taught, everything that uh, Aristotle taught, everything that Augustine taught, everything that Jesus taught. He brought it into one major synthesis and he wrote what was known as the Summa Theologicae. It was a book for beginners, 50,000 words, six, uh, 50,000 pages, 6 million words, and when he transcribed it, he would have five scribes writing simultaneously because they could not keep up with him, and he wrote them without corrections. And today, you go to any university in the world and they're still studying Thomas Aquinas. His little primer book of 50,000 words, the sum of theology, massive, still breaks my mind. I'm wrestling with his, some of his teaching. He is just amazing, his thought. Towards the end of his life, Something happened to Thomas Aquinas and he stopped writing. And all the people around him are saying, you know, you are the teacher of the, you know, he's, he's called the Dr. Angelicus by the Catholic Church. He was almost divinated by the Catholic Church because his theology was just so thorough. He gets to the end of his life and he stops writing. And the bishop and the popes and everyone are saying, please, you need to complete this. This is the best work that's ever been done. He says, I can't. And apparently, for some reason, he was having these visions of God. He was having these encounters with God at the end of his life. And they're begging him. And he is just in moments of great ecstasy and wonder. And they're asking this man, please complete your great work. And he comes out spending time with God, tears in his eyes. And he says, I can't. It's nothing but straw. It's nothing but straw. And the truth is, if you understand the connections, he's actually using the S word. It's nothing but poo-poo. All of my great thinking, all of my understanding of God, once you've seen God himself, it's nothing absolutely nothing and here we are down here on planet earth god hasn't changed he's not moved he's still there and we have the opportunity sunday by sunday to leave this world and contact the one true god the veil has been torn the way's been made open up and it's just not the song it's just not the 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 methodology it's just not the formula but the invitation is out there and jesus saying now is the time it's now's the time god is looking for those who will truly worship him because when we do, do that we are lifted up the arms of god come down not only to embrace us and love us but then he picks us up as a small child and he lifts us into the very presence of God where there's joy, healing, deliverance and everything that we need is in God. Death will have no fear. There'll be no devil, no demon, no thing in this world that will ever affect you if we can move into worship. And so we wanted to do this as a church because it's one thing to do it privately. But yeah, wouldn't church be different if we could all just move a little bit closer to God in our heart and our appetite in the name of Jesus. So we're going to get the band up. Time has gone. And what I'm going to do, we're going to sing God is Good. That one there, His mercies endure forever.
nothing but straw. So this is not a slow song, it's a bit more of a happier one, but there's power and declaration. I'm going to invite you out the front, guys. If you feel that you want to respond and become a worshipper in spirit and truth, I'm going to invite you right out the front. This is a call to say, God, use me, change me. I want to be more engaged with loving you, worshipping you, praising you. There's power in it. So God bless you.